Hello? I say, is anyone in here? Welcome to the house of IDP. IDP? Crikey! What the blazes is that? In the house of IDP, we follow all players on both sides of the ball. On the Read and React podcast, we tackle everything you need to know to build a championship defense for your fantasy team. That sounds terrifying. Don't you need to spend hundreds of hours learning all about defensive players? IDP is an ancient evil, but also the future. Listen to the Read and React, and we will arm you with all the arcane knowledge you need to defeat your enemies. Wowzers! You mean you distill a huge amount of information about the hundreds of players in the NFL so that your listeners can dominate their leagues? What will that cost me? The podcast is free, but once IDP sinks its flaming hooks into you, it will steal your soul! Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome to the first postseason edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, as always, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. First of all, hi fellas. How's it going? The wildcard weekend just ended, recording once again on Sunday night. Weekend of upsets. Some good football games for sure. Any thoughts from what transpired on Saturday and Sunday? I was just glad to see four exciting competitive games. Um, it, I, I didn't think Saturday's games could be beat. And, uh, maybe they weren't, but they were, were at least equaled uh, with the Sunday game. So I uh, really look for, looking forward to the next couple weeks of playoff action. Yeah, me too. It was... It was really a weekend of the defenses to me, I felt. Uh, Low-scoring games, thought that opening game when, of course, Buffalo jumped out to the big big lead, and then the defense for Houston just triggered everything for them. Of course, the Saturday night game between Tennessee and New England was all about the defense. Minnesota's defense shut down Drew Brees and company in New Orleans. That was a bit of surprise of a surprise, and it was more defense on Sunday night. So I don't know if the offenses are ever going to loosen up, Matt. But it felt to me, like I said, like it was a defensive struggle for four games. Yeah, I was especially surprised by New Orleans. Uh, we need to stop picking them to go to the Super Bowl. I think we've done it like three years in a row. <laughs> the three of us, I think we're, we've cursed that team. We yeah, it's stop, our fault. Stop Matt. doing that. It's for sure. <laughs> before we came, uh, before we hit record tonight, Matt, you mentioned the maybe the funnest part of the whole weekend for dynasty owners was maybe watching DK Metcalf and him take that next step forward. Looked like that alpha receiver in Seattle. That matchup against that Eagles secondary seemed fitting that he made the catch down the stretch to seal the win, wave the crowd goodbye. Uh, certainly looks the part of that wide receiver one in Seattle, fellas. Yeah, I think he's right there, 1A, 1B, with uh, A.J. Brown in this class, uh, and, and a great class, like one that we c- kind of thought that was maybe not going to work out, but we got a lot of nice wide receivers to look forward to in the in the future from this class, including D.K. Yeah, for sure. So it was a good weekend of football. We got another month or so of watching big games down the stretch throughout these playoffs. And since we're done with the regular season guys, it's trying time to really transfer our thoughts to off season mode. Really the most exciting part about being a dynasty owner. But before we get to the rookie class and free agency, really, we're going to do a little bit, a little bit of a, a, a final look back at the season and a slight look forward to what to expect this off season, we're going to go division by division in a new four-week series covering off-season topics we're looking at with each team, and then maybe some ADP risers and fallers over that stretch as well. We'll begin the series with a look at the AFC and NFC West, which seems pretty fitting since all eight teams from the East are out now that Philadelphia fell, the Patriots and the Bills both went out. So they, they've started their off-seasons. Let's start talking about these teams. And why not start in the AFC East? 
the only place to start when we start over there has been with the New England Patriots, Ryan. But there are a lot of question marks in New England for dynasty owners, especially. Let's start with the ADP, either a riser or a faller. Is there somebody we need to talk about over here, Ryan? Yeah, there certainly are a ton of questions with this team, and it's it feels really weird that the Patriots have for a couple of years now, though, because they've they've been so successful. But from a dynasty standpoint, they haven't had many valuable players, um, at least not what you might think for a perennial uh, contender like they have been. One one player that I think is going to continue to be an ADP faller as he has been really all season is is their running back Sony Michelle. He's he's probably one of the players that we we know will be back. He's still on that rookie contract, of course. But if if you look at his ADP from the beginning of the season to his current current rank, he's already been plummeting. Uh, preseason ADP, so this is September DLF Dynasty ADP. He was 45 overall, and he was the RB21. And after this disappointing season, uh, our brand new January ADP, which actually is not even out yet, uh, he is the 81st player overall and the running back 28. So he's he's only fallen seven spots uh, among the running backs, but a, a huge fall compared to uh, to all players in general, almost 40 spots. So Michelle has a lot of questions entering next year, not only uh, questions about his own level of play, but uh, that of his teammates, specifically Tom Brady, that would, would certainly impact the entire offense. So I expect Sony Michelle to continue to fall uh, when you look at ADP. And, you know, there's, there's a reason we've been calling him a sell from basically the beginning of the season. His value just continues to plummet. Yeah, as a Sony Michelle owner, I think, and I can probably speak for all of us, I, I have him in one league still. I was hoping for that resurgence, that that playoff rush, uh, like like we've seen in the past with him and, and really with other New England tailbacks in the past, where he gets lots of carries. We see those 18, 20 touch games, multiple touchdown games, and, and there's somebody in every league that gets fired up about it. That, that just didn't happen, and I think you talked about it a little bit, Ryan. The fall combined with this new surge of talent at the position with this upcoming rookie draft, it it just it doesn't look good for Sony Michelle and, and his ownership. And, and being a Sony Michelle owner, uh, there were better days for sure. You mentioned Tom Brady. I think maybe the biggest question mark for you know, on this offseason for me when it comes to New England and that offense and the skill players – all throughout that offense is how useful we expect these skill players to be the running backs receivers even the tight ends how useful are they to dynasty owners if Tom Brady indeed moves on from New England and isn't back with the team Dan I I think the question is how useful are they even if Tom Brady is back you know I I think this was a down year for Brady you know the, the talent around him just isn't stellar except for I mean depending on how you want to feel about Nikhil Harry, you know, he's the one guy that we have hope for. Um, but, you know, I think he's even, you know, down the list a little bit in terms of we're talking about the rest of this 2019 class of receivers. So, uh, you know, no franchise tag for Brady is, is, is allowed based on his contract. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there, if he's willing to take a, a really cheap hometown discount uh, and all that. You know, but there's been a lot of other changes on this team going on this offseason, too. Uh, ben Watson's going to retire, so they, they, they didn't really have anything at tight end. Uh, anyway, but, but Watson retiring is, you know, just another stab in that direction. We're not going to get anything out of this position for at least for fantasy. Philip Dorsett's an unrestricted free agent. You know, we, we acquired, they acquired him in 2017 for Jacoby Brissett. It looks like the Colts win that deal pretty good. Uh, but he uh, had 29 catches for 397 yards and five touchdowns, which actually was a career high. So, I mean, I don't think they'll bring him back, but I guess it's possible. Mohamed Sanu has a, a cap friendly cut if they were going to, to release him. Uh, there's zero dead money in, in that deal, so he could be released pretty easily. Uh, so the really only like constants in the passing game seem to be Nikhil Harry and you know Julian Edelman is going to be 34 years old. Chick Kobe Myers made a little bit of noise, but how much can we count on him? And we know how how good the Patriots draft wide receivers. So you know even if they draft somebody in this upcoming class, how much how good are we going to feel about that? And then the running backs, you guys mentioned it with Sony Michelle. You know the the one thing that we have with Michelle is that he still does have two years on that rookie deal, and you know it's a fairly expensive contract since he was the, drafted at the end of that first round a couple of seasons ago. Um, 
but uh, you know, both James White and Rex Burkhead, they could they could be pretty easy cuts. Uh, both only would hit about a one million in cap space. Uh, and then you know, we still have D- Damian Harris, who all three of us like quite a bit, but had like what like four carries on the entire season. So you have to think that he's going to get some kind of look going forward. But right now, it seems like. You know, Michelle is, is kind of locked in just based on what 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 the rest of the running backs uh, what they might do with the rest of the running backs there. So uh, maybe not productive for fantasy, but he's probably going to have a job at least in twenty twenty. So Harris and Nikhil Harry, they're really the only two that I'm interested in for dynasty right now. And and you know, it's a little bit lukewarm on both of those for me too. That's all fair for sure. It seems like there's a dark cloud over Foxborough right now, not only because of the loss, but because of these fantasy values and how dynasty owners will go about the offseason and how we'll look. We'll be we'll be watching closely that whole Tom Brady situation as all football fans will. Uh, but maybe it doesn't hinge. Maybe the fantasy values, as you kind of suggested, Matt, doesn't necessarily hinge on whether Tom Brady is back or not. Uh, maybe maybe we're we're not too excited about the Patriots as a whole going into 2020. Let's move on in the division to the Buffalo Bills, and we'll start this with an offseason question that I think is probably on the minds of a lot of dynasty owners, especially considering how Devin Singletary ended his rookie season. He was a full-time running back down the stretch of the year, appeared to be the, the guy once again in the playoff loss to the Texans on Saturday, but... Ryan, how should dynasty owners look at Devin Singletary going forward? Is he the full-time running back? And and can he reach that running back one potential that so many dynasty owners think that he has? Yeah, I think he's probably safe as far as uh, being the starter and and being certainly being the lead back there in Buffalo. And uh, that team feels like it's trending in the right direction for sure. As far as counting on him as as maybe an RB one in fantasy, I'm I'm not there yet. Um, in fact, if if I find some that are uh, believing that, I would probably consider selling. I think we talked about Singletary a couple weeks ago. Um, I think maybe Matt had him as a sell. Still selling him for a first rounder if I can, which which I do think is I think that's a reasonable expectation. I think you can get that. Yeah, I think I agree with Ryan. Any first round pick I'm taking at this point, I think he's you know a pretty rock solid running back too. Depending on what what they do, uh, you know, in terms of a back behind him, Frank Gore is obviously going to be gone unless for some reason they decide to bring him back. He looked okay in the in the playoff game, uh, so why not bring back 37 year old Frank Gore, right? Uh, but TJ Yeldon behind him, he's nothing special. So you have to think at a minimum they're going to bring somebody else in, whether it's Gore or not. So I just I just don't know if they're ever going to give him you know, the, the, the bell cow role, so to speak. I think he could be that 15 touch, 15 to 20 touch guy, I guess, which, which is pretty close to bell Kyle in these, in this, in this league. But uh, I think there's always going to be somebody else involved there. And the, the passing offense, you have to think they add some more weapons there. John Brown and Cole Beasley are the only two really returning there. Um, and we like those guys, of course, but they're certainly not the, the, the kind of alpha receiver um, that, that Josh Allen might need. So uh, I, I think, I think you're, I think Singletary is fine. <laughs> I think, I think if you want to count him as your running back too, you'll be okay with it. But if you want to shoot for a little upside and get a first round pick for it, I think that's a fine move too. Uh, I don't think anybody should really expect him to eclipse uh, uh, the running back one status. I mean, just look at the names we have in the running back one group. I won't list them all here, but it, it, I think it would be really hard for him to get into that top 12, at least in terms of a dynasty discussion. You know, watching that football game on Saturday, Devin Singletary made plenty of mistakes throughout the game. It, not necessarily running the ball or, or, or with the ball in, in his hands. Uh, a couple of those sacks that Josh Allen took were strictly on Devin Singletary. Didn't kick, pick up the blitz, uh, went out on a pass route rather than helping out inside. And I don't know how long that's going to last with that coaching staff. Apparently that's not been... Uh, that's not the only time that's happened, especially down the stretch in the season. He's probably got a little ways to go. And, and if that lingers into his second season, if those problems, if he, if he can't help out in pass protection and, and do his part there, there, there could be whispers of, of a little bit more of a timeshare in that Bill's backfield. Ryan, do we have an ADP riser or faller we want to highlight in Buffalo? Yeah, I think we look at that quarterback position and, um, Josh Allen, as despite some of the uh, really boneheaded plays he made in that playoff game uh, last night, I, I think he has impressed enough, and, and he's really the safest part of that offense right now when it comes to a, a, a fantasy standpoint. And of course, that's 
largely due to his rushing upside that he brings to the position. So looking at his preseason ADP, he was 159 overall. He was quarterback 15. Now, after a, uh, after scoring as the quarterback six this season, he's inside the top 196 overall, and he's QB eight. Uh, I was actually surprised he was that high. Not sure he can get much higher than that uh, over the next couple of months of the offseason, but that feels like about where I would rank him. We, we've seen several quarterbacks uh, who have taken a hit in value this season, whether it's due to injury or, or poor play, uh, and, and Allen's taken advantage of that. So that that team has to get him some more weapons. You watch that playoff game and he's throwing to Duke Williams and and these guys that probably don't belong on the field in a playoff game. So assuming that they add at least a, one upside wide receiver, then I think I think Josh Allen's a strong buy at his current price. Like most football fans, I loved what they did in that game with Josh Allen, especially at the beginning of the football game. Designed runs, got him on the edge, and let him make decisions with the football. He seemed comfortable doing that. Obviously, that's not something they're going to do throughout a regular season. They're not going to put him in harm's way for just any old game in the regular season. But in a playoff game, he showed exactly what he can do with his legs. Uh, obviously, he's done it before when needed during during the regular season and throughout his career. But, man, he's fun to watch when, when he's really got things going in the right direction. One, one guy I think we should highlight here, uh, or maybe low light, I guess, is, is Robert Foster. You guys remember Robert sure. Foster from, from, from 2018, right? Like, he looked like he was promising, and we know they signed John Brown, who certainly a better overall receiver than him. But on the year, you know, Robert Foster, only 18 targets, three catches on the entire season. Like, what happened to him? He, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, too. So he's somebody that maybe we should look at. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think the talent has disappeared. Maybe he didn't fit with the offensive scheme this year or whatever but it really seemed like him and Josh Allen had a connection last year so if he ends up in a good offense in 2020 he's a guy we might want to keep on our radar yeah a few weeks ago we talked about players that are under the radar that we might be targeting that's that may be a name that that comes up in that episode when it comes to that point let's move on to the Jets Matt do we have an offseason question that we should be thinking about as dynasty owners in New York yeah I, I think so you know Sam Darnold, he is quarterback 15 of December, which I thought he was going to be a lot lower than that before I went and looked. So maybe maybe this is not a good time to buy, but it seems like this should be, uh, at least in terms of market value, should be a, a pretty low point for Sam Darnold based on the season he had, based on the season the Jets had. Adam Gase is coming back. Nobody wants that, but it's happening. The only wide receiver currently signed for 2020 is Jamison Crowder, who had a pretty nice season, but you know he's not a he's not a super exciting weapon for a young receiver or for a young quarterback like Sam Darnold. He's certainly a good security blanket, but he's not going to uh, uh, really challenge the defense and, and make them kind of respect that passing offense. But for, but in super flex leagues, if if we think about this in terms of market value, like maybe this is the time to go ahead and get him. He's still very young, only 22. He'll be 23 next season in 2020. So uh, despite the, the coach coming back, uh, you know, we, we, I know we don't like this offense, but you have to think they're going to be better than last year. And it, it seems like the opinion of Sam Darnold right now, uh, despite the ADP in December, is, is, you know, is, is not great. Brian, I don't know if you have any updated ADP on him for January. Yeah, I do. And uh, he's, he's actually the quarterback 14 in January, moved, moved up oh, one wow. spot. I think that's more of a, a reflection of the current state of the quarterback position. I kind of alluded to it a little bit with Allen. You look at these top 12 right now, and uh, Allen, is, uh, Allen is quarterback eight, Aaron Rodgers, Baker Mayfield after that. Daniel Jones is a QB1 according to ADP. Uh, Drew Brees is a QB1 according to ADP. And uh, those neither of those, for, for very different reasons, neither of those feel very good uh, if, if you're trotting out uh, – trotting out Daniel Jones in your starting lineup. And, and of course, Breeze, obviously a very different situation. You're, you're happy to have him as a starter, but uh, long-term, I don't think I would consider him a quarterback one in Dynasty any longer. So to me, it's just really, like I said, the state of the quarterback position. It's not that Allen is deserving of a QB1 spot or, or Sam Darnold should be a high-end QB2. It's just, uh, it's just where we are. There's... There's not a ton to feel great about right now. Uh, that's why if I have Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, I'm ha holding on tight to those guys. 
Yeah, unless you can pivot and get something else, pivot in that same tier, that's certainly good advice. When it comes to Darnold, though, uh, there are reasons to to think maybe he flipped the switch a little bit. Of course, it was an up-and-down season. The, the mono incident in the middle of the year, or early in the year, I guess, was head-scratching for sure, Keep kept him out of the lineup, and he had some major flops as far as fantasy performances if you were playing him in those super flex leagues, including that that four-interception game against New England, followed by a three-interception game uh, against Jacksonville in the middle of the season. But after that, it seemed like he turned things around slowly. The completion percentage went up. His average passing yards per game got into the high 200s rather than the low 200s where it was earlier in his career. And he had a couple of those big games. He had the four-touchdown game against Washington and played well down the stretch. The Jets won three of four. I I think there's probably a reason for some optimism if the Jets, much like the Bills, Ryan, if they get that alpha receiver, that number one guy, and they hold the 11th pick in the draft, those wins down the stretch cost him a few spots in the draft and and may cost him one of those top receivers uh, that are going to be available. But there's probably a little bit of reason for optimism. We just need to see see some playmakers infused into that offense. A lot of the same things you were talking about the Bills are true about that Jets offense. It's just that the Jets offense is so far behind where Buffalo is. They need the John Brown, that that guy, to come in and, and help out as a veteran, and they still need the young guy as well. How about a ADP riser or faller for the Jets, Ryan? It's got to be Le'Veon Bell. Of course, he is falling, and I think he will continue to fall. At this point, we're not even sure – that he's going to be with this Jets team. It, it was, it's been made pretty clear that Adam Gaze uh, was not necessarily happy to have him on that roster. Uh, we've talked recently about teams that we want to avoid just because of their, their ownership, their leadership. And this is another one for me, but it, it's, the, it's the coaching staff. It's Adam Gaze. I really just don't want any part uh, of this team because of him. So whether Le'Veon Bell stays with the Jets or if they trade him or even release him and he finds a new home, I think his value is going to continue to fall at his age. Uh, and giving his, given his disappointing year this past season. So entering the year, he was the 19th player overall, the running back 11. Now he's the running back 19 and the 51st player overall. So that's again, that's according to our new January ADP which is still ongoing uh, outside of the top 50. It's, it's been, it's actually been a pretty slow decline for bell when it comes to his value. As I said, just a, a few months ago, he was still a second round startup pick. All right, let's move on to the Miami dolphins fellas. Uh, the last team we need to talk about in the AFC East and, and the dolphins are an intriguing team for sure. Ryan and I, we, we spent some time talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick and where he fits in potentially in on this team moving forward a week ago. Uh, let's flip it over Matt to these wide receivers. Uh, you know, the Dolphins have three first-round picks. They currently hold the fifth, 18th, and then a late first, whatever Houston ends up uh, earning in throughout these playoffs. Uh, those three first-round picks uh, really loom large for this off- offense. Um, the expectation is they're going to try to add a quarterback, get some youth there. Not sure where that, that player is going to come from or, or how high they they dive into that position. Um how do you how do we think as dynasty owners these these three first round picks are going to affect the value of Devontae Parker, who was the wide receiver two from weeks four on in the season behind only Michael Thomas and PPR leagues, and then also Preston Williams, who impressed early for sure, but once he left, that's kind of when Devontae Parker took over as that number one guy in Miami. Who would have thought that? the most exciting team in this division it was the Miami Dolphins at this point last last season you know we, we this was on my list of teams that if you if you have to avoid some teams for for dynasty the Dolphins is one that you probably aren't going to get hurt by and that's probably still true but Devontae Parker man I would never was a believer I know you were Dan and, and it finally came true for you uh and and he really played up to his potential finally and and it seems like Ryan Fitzpatrick just just creates these fantasy monsters and even if they select a quarterback you know we've been rumoring 
Tua to them for for as long as as long as we I can even remember at this point. Uh, even with that injury, it seems like he might be a decent pick there at five if he's still around, and he can just sit behind Ryan Fitzpatrick for a year. Ryan Fitzpatrick is still under contract for another year, um, and is still gonna be throwing the ball up for for Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, another guy that we like, undrafted guy that got hurt, showed a lot of potential early in the season that I bet you can get pretty cheap right now uh, based off of injury. Um, if you can throw a third round pick his way and get pick up Preston Williams to get a part of this this Ryan Fitzpatrick offense, I like that. Uh, Devontae Parker, uh, you know, I don't I don't know if I'm willing to pay a first round pick for him. That's probably what it's going to cost him, cost you. Um, but I don't. But in terms of the draft picks and how they affect, affect these guys, I don't know. I don't know if they'll take a take a first round wide receiver. Uh, do you guys think they will? Because I mean, the way Parker played, like he they signed him to a long term deal. They so they feel like they already have their wide receiver one there. So I don't know if they would actually spend a first round pick. I think they will pick up some wide receiver in this draft. But those first three picks, I, I'm not convinced that it's going to be a wide receiver, even in this really talented class. Well, I I think how the these three picks could affect these wide receivers is is just getting some more overall help on the offense that obviously have a big need at running back. There's there's a, a needs across that offensive line still and getting protection for either a young quarterback Fitzpatrick or or anybody else for that matter is a priority for this team. The offense needs an upgrade and needs a little bit of an overhaul. Uh, Losing Laramie Tunsil and not replacing him with an NFL caliber tackle is a big problem. And and now they have the, the weaponry to go get a player to, to help out and, and really make a difference on that offensive line. So if, if, if the question is, is how these picks will affect the value of these players that we're at least semi-excited about going forward, I think the answer has to be it, it affects it in a positive, a very positive way because a lot of that, that ammunition that we just talked about is going to go towards the offensive side of the ball. It's not necessarily going to go into those skill positions, although a good running game, a good running back would certainly help out in Miami. Yeah, I totally agree, and uh, it seems like there's going to be uh, some strong running back options in free agency as well. And not only does this team have plenty of uh, plenty of draft pick ammunition, but they also have some cap space, so they they can really shake things up this off season. I think people have kind of been noticing that. Uh, really since even before the season began and just the play of Fitzpatrick and, and Devontae Parker really kind of seemed to speed things up. But when you look at their overall performance, you have to think that the pass catchers, Parker and Williams and Mike Gesicki as well, was really the strength of the team. So they need to spend those those draft picks on running backs, as you said, Dan, or replacing Tunsil, replacing Minka Fitzpatrick and, and these guys that they – moved on from to get all the picks. Uh, Gasecki is the guy I want to talk about. Of course, he had a really disappointing rookie season. Uh, we, we tell ourselves every year not to expect production from rookie tight ends, but when they don't produce, we still drop them in value or, or we just try to forget about them altogether. That's what happened to, to Gasecki after his poor rookie season. He, he lost almost all value. He was tight end 23 and the 188th player drafted overall in our preseason ADP, according to September DLF data. Now he's up to 121 overall and tight end 14. I'm actually surprised he's not even higher because he was a tight end one for the season. He was the tight end 12 after a hot uh, into the season. So Gasecki's value, I don't think, is has actually not rebounded enough given his production, uh, and, and I think he's a dynasty buy. Yeah, absolutely a dynasty buy, a guy that, that I'm going to try to acquire in a couple places this offseason. He he was a guy I was I was buying a year ago because of the down season and, and the upside that he showed while at Penn State. He was, I think, I think the consensus tight end one among the guys here on this show, Ryan, Matt, and myself coming into that season. And although he was disappointing, the athletic profile is still there. Uh, it was still there for, as a matter of fact. And, and he just, he, he, while he didn't like leap off the page to you this year, he didn't, he didn't look like that elite tight end. He became playable. He was certainly a guy that was stream worthy and in a position that has so many problems and, and we're constantly looking for options. His upside makes him a player that, that most dynasty owners should be looking to try to get on their teams. 
All right, let's go on to the NFC East then. Uh, and where else to start than the Eagles? So they're gonna they're gonna be in the early twenties in the draft, guys. There's some signs of life there, of course. I think a lot of us like Carson Wentz still, despite his struggles. There's a lot of reasons that that some of those struggles came about this year. Of course, the injuries at wide receiver and really throughout that offense. Uh, I don't know if that's a crutch that a lot of the Carson Wentz truthers are standing on right now, but there's a definite need for, for more playmakers in Philadelphia. That Of course, they got one. Last year in the draft, in the second round, Miles Sanders out of Penn State looks like the real deal, looks like the kind of guy that, if given the opportunity to have a backfield mostly to himself, as he did down the stretch this season, could be that number one running back, that guy that you want to plug into your lineup every week as a dynasty owner. So I think the question, the offseason question we need to think about here, Ryan, let's start with you, is will and can the Eagles finally get Carson Wentz the reliable receivers that he needs to not only make himself that quarterback one that we want him to be as dynasty owners, but also have this offense open up, help us out with Ertz and Goddard and, and these receivers that, that need to be in the lineup regularly. So we're, we don't have wide receiver fives and sixes catching passes from Wentz. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's just really, it really almost feels like this team is cursed with some of the injuries that they've dealt with. Uh, the past couple of months, and, and of course we saw Carson Wentz leave that game uh, early today after the after the concussion. So they've got to they've got to go back to the well on the wide receiver position. They've they've tried so many times, whether it's through free agency or the draft, and it, it just it just hasn't worked. Um, of course, Nelson Aguilar was a bust. That was a few years ago. JJ Arcega Whiteside certainly we didn't see anything promising from him. Uh, this season to to make you feel good about 2020 and beyond. They've got to get Wentz, uh, that alpha wide receiver. For for a couple of years, it's been Alshon Jeffrey. I think that time has probably passed due to injury uh, and, and just his age as well. So whether it's draft or free agency, they have to go get a wide receiver. It has to be their number one priority. Yeah, nothing they've tried has worked. They tr- they've tried with Alshon. He's been fine. They've tried with Deshaun Jackson. He's hurt all season. The last last couple of seasons prior to 2019, they tried with Mike Wallace. It just nothing is working out, and it's the the tight ends are benefiting here, Dan. We as we see Zach Ertz. Uh, monster season last year. We all three of us thought he was a big sell, and I still kind of do, to be honest with you. But he had another nice season again. I think largely because these wide receivers are, are not really uh, sticking around for them for the entire season. And Dallas Goddard, of course, is is making hay as a dynasty tight end uh, for us, even despite the presence of Zach Ertz. So. Uh, I guess another question we have to think about here is where are we ranking him amongst tight ends entering 2020? For me, he's a rock-solid tight end one. I think I have him at 10 overall right now, uh, and I'm not really interested in moving him down uh, when you look at the guys below him. So uh, for me, top 10 guy despite the presence of Earth. What about you guys? Yeah, I totally agree. That's that's probably about where I would have him as well. It's about this time of year when I look at those four positions and, and do a complete rankings overhaul, so I, I don't want to – quote an exact spot right now, but I'd say that's where he'll fall. And, and I think that's where he deserves to be. He, he scored as the tight end one this year, uh, given the presence of art. So I, I don't think that changes. Yeah. And going back to what you said, Ryan, about the wide receivers and, and really we've talked about it with a lot of different teams already, including the bills and the jets. This, this upcoming draft class is it, it feels to me like most people expect it to be this running back class. Everybody's excited about all the running backs, of course, but the receiver class is just as, or, or maybe even more exciting for dynasty owners with the, with a couple of guys from Alabama and, and Jerry Judy and, and Henry Ruggs, of course, and CD lambs in there and T Higgins and Chenault from Colorado. It seems like there are playmakers that are going to enter the league. And that first round could be full of these guys, maybe even the first and the second round. And we can offer some, some, some help to these teams, especially the Eagles, who feel like they're, I agree with you, they're desperate for that, that number one receiver, that guy to take, the, take that spot and run with it and be that guy for Carson Wentz that, that can change that offense. How about an ADP riser or a faller from the Philadelphia Eagles, Ryan? 
Yeah, we already mentioned Sanders. I think he's he's clearly the one who is is going to continue to gain some value. He was the 45th overall player entering the season. That made him RB22. He's jumped up 10 spots already, so RB12 now. Uh, hasn't moved up too much overall. Still 32 uh, overall. I kind of expected him to actually be in that second round range. Instead, he's the in the middle of the third round. But when you look at the running backs that are ahead of him, uh, I, I think he could he could actually climb ahead of those. Aaron Jones is one. We've seen his value uh, kind of up and down all season. He's in that low-end RB1 range. Josh Jacobs, the other rookie, is another one that's just ahead of Sanders. I, I, I wanted Sanders over Jacobs all season, and I want him over Jacobs right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if at some point this offseason Sanders – leapfrogs Jacobs and and moves up into that top 10 of dynasty running backs. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Dallas Cowboys. Matt, I want to start with you on this one because it seems like there are so many question marks surrounding the Cowboys. Of course, Dak's contract and the coaching change and and who we who we'd like to see come in there, whether you're a Dak owner or you're Ezekiel Elliott owner or, or or any of these other one of the receivers, of course. I think the the biggest thing we need to shine the spotlight on as dynasty owners is Amari Cooper though of course the up and down season the home and road splits the the injury or or the the questions surrounding how hurt is he toward the end of the season when when the production just simply wasn't there for Amari Cooper I think the first question to ask there Matt is as a dynasty owner you own Amari Cooper on a roster do you want him in Dallas right now or do you want him somewhere else yeah I feel like this is a pretty easy answer and for me it's I want him still in Dallas I I think that he's I mean I don't think I know he's been more productive in Dallas than he was in Oakland Uh, you know almost 1200 yards this season obviously tailed off towards the end of the year Uh, also eight touchdowns another career high for him so uh, I would like him just come back here I still think this is a talented team that just keeps underperforming uh, you know at least in terms of how they are finishing uh, on the season. They, it feels like they should have been a playoff team this year. They started off the season so strong. Uh, Cooper's had a, had a few monster games for us this year, and it seems like he actually does have a really good connection with Dak, and, and we saw a big you know, production spike from, from Dak Prescott as well when, when Amari Cooper joined the team. So I, I think he needs to come back to Dallas if they can afford him. They already paid Ezekiel Elliott. They obviously have to pay, pay Dak Prescott, but they have, it seems like they have to make Amari Cooper a priority. We've got Jason Garrett out there, out of out of there now officially today. So, uh, and, and, you know, maybe the new coach comes in and, and makes some changes there uh, with the offensive system. But I think it's working with Amari and Dallas. So if they can bring him back, uh, you know, it's going to obviously come down to money. But Jerry Jones is obviously willing to pay pay these guys, uh, pay these triplets for these for, for this team. So they've done it in the past. I think he's going to do it again. I do think that this is the best spot for him. I can't think of any, t- any, any spot off the top of my head that I would rather have Amari Cooper in. Yeah, I don't think I can think of one either. You know, and I'm a Amari Cooper owner, of course, as well. And, and Ryan, you're, you're the guy, anything for Amari. I got it. We got to get your thoughts on the subject as well. It feels to me, like Matt said, this is the place for him. This is where we want him. We know the quarterback has the chemistry with him. He he fits in this offense. He's He's got kind of a, that sidekick receiver with Michael Gallup. Everything feels like it's in place, but are, is the grass greener on the other side potentially? Uh, uh, that's my fear that uh, – I, I fear that that's what Amari might think. <laughs> you know, I, I think that he could – uh, he could bolt for a new situation, which won't be as good. And it, yeah, I mean, we could we could pick out a few landing spots that would be probably better than Dallas, but I, I don't know if those are very realistic. Of course, teams like Kansas City and, and things like that. So yeah, I, I agree with you guys that I want him staying in Dallas. For me, the question more than Amari or or, or Dak's contract status, it's it's this new coaching staff because. All we've known, all all these players have known for basically their entire careers is Jason Garrett. So I'm really excited because obviously I, I love the talent of Cooper and Gallup and Zeke and, and, and Dak Prescott. I want to see what they can do with what we assume would be an upgraded coaching staff. Yeah, and that's the assumption right now. But, you know, there's so many rumors just 
flailing about about what's going to happen in Dallas, some of the regurgitated names that we've heard over and over and over again, including Mike McCarthy and, and now and, and then some of the some of the maybe hotter, newer names with like Eric Bieniemy and Wink Martindale and all these things. I just I'm not really that sure that where the right the right fit is who the right fit is. It feels like with all those pieces in place, we need an offensive mind there, somebody to gel this all together and get things going in the right direction. Of course, that's going to iron itself out over the next handful of weeks. Uh, Ryan, let's talk about an ADP riser out of Dallas as well. Sure. We talked a lot about Cooper, but we've got to talk about Michael Gallup who had a breakout second season. Uh, His ADP jumped a ton already. I think it has a little more room to grow He was the 98th overall player and the wide receiver 45 entering the season. Now he is wide receiver 27, uh, just outside of the top 50 at 53 overall. And I I think he deserves to be a a top 50, even a top 48 player. If you want to think about those first four rounds, that's probably about the the area where I'm going to start considering uh, drafting him. And and of course, the, the Cooper conversation has a lot to do with this as well. Uh, if Cooper does leave, then then Gallup's value explodes. Yeah, no doubt. A guy that can be targeted in trade discussions early in the offseason. Let's move on to the New York Giants, Matt. Do we have a question we should be thinking about as dynasty owners out of New York? Yeah, you know, Daniel Jones had a much better season than all of us expected. I would I would guess most people, maybe 90 plus percent of people in this industry would have expected. But now we've got another coaching shift and we've seen it time and time again where these young quarterbacks have to adapt to new coaching systems uh, every single year. So uh, we don't know who that coach is going to be yet in New York, but but I think it is a concern for the offense. I think the one thing that is in Daniel Jones's favor is the fact that he has all these weapons surrounding him. You know, obviously the veteran Golden Tate there and Sterling Shepard, uh, but also, uh, also, of course, Evan Ingram and Darius Slayton has made an appearance this year. So uh, I'm kind of excited about the offense in general. And I didn't even mention Saquon Barkley, of course. So unless they maybe if they end up with Marvin Lewis or maybe Jason maybe Jason Garrett is up in New York in New York maybe that's how we ruin this offense but it seems like they have all the pieces in place uh for Daniel Jones to exceed i mean imagine if we uh, put these pieces around Sam Darnold, how much more excited we'd be about him. So I like the talent around him. I'm hoping the coaching staff is, is, is one that, uh, you know, is, isn't going to mess that up. Dave Gettleman there is still a little bit of a concern, but, you know, we panned him for this selection and also trading away Eldo Beckham Jr. Um, but, you know, both of those things sort of worked out for him. So maybe Gettleman isn't necessarily the problem we think he is. So they just got to find the right coach to, to, to do this. Um, I think there's been – I think I read a rumor that, that Greg Olson might – uh, be uh, be a uh, uh, excuse me a, a candidate for this position. You know, after what he did with Lamar Jackson, then uh, you know that would be interesting. So uh, they just have to find somebody to support what he does. And I'm not, I guess, I'm not super concerned about it just because of the surrounding cast that he has right now. Yeah, I'm not really either. Again, because I've I feel like. Yeah, maybe outside of the Garrett hire, I feel like almost anybody they bring in is going to be an upgrade over Pat Shermer, and uh, I think we can expect this offense to be improved. Of course, we know Shepard missed a ton of time this year, uh, and assuming these guys can all stay healthy, I think that's all good news for Daniel Jones. Yeah, and and some of the rumors are are including some of the hot names from the college ranks, and of course Josh McDaniels being there as well. Um, Any one of these options seem enticing with the young quarterback. And, you know, Matt, you mentioned that as dynasty owners, we regularly get leery of a young quarterback going through the coaching change and having to change the offense and all those things. But there has been successful transitions as well. Sean McVay, of course, comes to mind immediately. If they're able to to change the culture there, which seems like the main problem, Pat Shermer just wasn't able to do that. And Gettleman maybe is part of the problem there as well. Uh, it, it feels to me like like Daniel Jones could be one of those guys that take a step forward because of all those weapons already in place, including one of the ADP risers that Ryan wants to mention from New York. Yeah, it's the rookie Darius Slayton. And, and I mentioned the Shepard injury, and I think Golden Tate maybe missed some, act, some time as well. But Darius Slayton was the best wide receiver on that team this year. And I think we'll find out next year if that was uh, – 
because he was the best option left or if he was actually the the best option. Uh, but regardless of that, his ADP has uh, has obviously skyrocketed. In fact, in the preseason in September, he was not even drafted. We typically have uh, nearly 300 players drafted in our mock drafts. He was not one of them. Now he's inside the top 192 overall, and he's the wide receiver 43. So uh, he's another one that the the value, the ADP, has not quite caught up to his production. If I can uh, draft him at that at that spot, I'd be glad to do that. If I can trade him for the equivalent of, of that, uh, maybe a mid or late second round, I'm doing that as well. Yeah, and there's there's really a lot of guys to target in New York. A lot of players that we want on our dynasty teams. Depending on the value, uh, maybe Slayton is the guy to be targeting as the offseason progresses. The final team we need to talk about tonight, fellas, is the Washington Redskins. And like maybe the Cincinnati Bengals and maybe the Dolphins from a year ago, they seem to be one of those teams that we're just not not very eager to invest in. Not a lot of players we want on that roster. Maybe Terry McLaurin. There, there are some young people, young players in place. So I think the question, Matt, the main question for dynasty owners out of Washington is what is it going to take for dynasty owners to have confidence in these Washington skill position players in 2020, especially now that we already know that the head coach has been replaced. It's Ron Rivera. He's coming in with his philosophy out of Carolina. Is there something that can happen that gives us confidence and give us gives us really some some kind of feeling good feelings about having these guys on our rosters going into next season. I think it's got to be improving the offensive line. Haskins just seemed like he was getting killed back there over and over, not really giving him enough time to to connect with McLaurin. Obviously, it happened happened enough to for us to take notice of McLaurin and, and his dynasty value has, has definitely been been rising because of that. But you know, with an offensive line to help out, uh, you know, if Darius Geist comes back, if it's Adrian Peterson again, and then of course the rest of this passing offense, um, I think that's what really needs to happen. And of course, the addition of some more weapons in that passing game because McLaurin can't. I don't think do it by himself. Um, you know, I'm not even sure if he's really the the t- a prototypical wide receiver one for for an NFL team. He might be better suited to be in that two role, um, just based on his skill set. So I think adding adding weapons to the offense in addition to bolstering that offensive line. They have the second overall pick. Uh, I haven't done a lot of offensive line study yet for the 2020 class, but I have to imagine there's somebody nice there uh, in that range for them. So. Uh, that seems like the number one need for me right now. Uh, not not counting the defense, of course, but for offensive, I think we need to get an offensive line for to protect Haskins so that he can take advantage of McLaurin and some other weapons that they hopefully will add this offseason. Yeah, no doubt that, that that will be a focus of theirs, the offensive line. I, I, do, I, I am one of those guys that scour the web looking for information on offensive linemen and, and really any position, and it doesn't seem like the, the experts out there are really high. I think that there's a, a necessarily a top two top Two or three guy at the position. Uh, there's a there's an offensive tackle out of Georgia. I think his name's Andrew Thomas. That that some people are high on. It seems to me like the second pick is if if Joe Burrow goes one, it's going to be Chase Young at two, the defensive edge rusher out of Ohio State, which pushes that need down the board a little bit. Then they're then they're looking in the second, third, and beyond for for help along that offensive line. Maybe they dip into free agency to help out as well. It should be a priority though. Ryan, is that is that what you're focused in on in Washington this offseason? Are you just hoping that the players that are currently in place uh, get a little bit of help across the offensive line to to make them more useful for dynasty owners? Yeah, absolutely. And and we saw the report today that the Redskins have Trent Williams uh, in their 2020 plans, I think was the exact quote. And uh, that that seems foolish to me at this point. They have uh, they've wasted his year and, and they wasted whatever they could have gotten in return for him a year ago. Uh, basically because they were stubborn. So they, they, I don't even know exactly what his contract status is at this point. I, I believe he is still under contract. So, I mean, they, they should just move on from him, whether they get some additional picks or uh, maybe some, some help to replace him at offensive line. They've got so many needs. This, this is another one of those teams uh, that I am avoiding as you, as you alluded to, Dan McLaurin is, is, kind of the key piece there though I think and and he's the 
player that we've seen gain a ton of value. He's moved up over 100 spots in ADP throughout the regular season. He goes from 155 to 54 overall. He moved from wide receiver 65 to the wide receiver 28. And although I'd personally be selling him uh, in Dynasty as quickly as I could, I think he probably moves up a little bit higher into that top 25 wide receiver range. Yeah, and when he does, that's probably the opportunity or opportune time to make that move if you're going to. Uh, I, I It feels to me like he's going to move up those draft boards as well as the offseason progresses, especially if there's any news in, in Washington or coming out of Washington that that things are moving in the positive direction both with that offensive line and throughout throughout the rest of the roster. Guys, we have a couple minutes before we got to get out of here, so let's talk just for a second about divisional, the divisional round of the playoffs. Of course, you got in the NFC, Matt, you got the Vikings and the 49ers, and of course, Seattle goes to Green Bay. Who's going to the NFC Championship game? <laughs> Man, I really want to say the Packers, but their 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 history with Seattle has is, is not been good, and and. I don't know how you feel about this team, Dan, but they do not feel like a 13-3 and team. Uh, the offense, uh, I just don't know. I just think they need more weapons in the in, in the passing game, and these, these secondary receivers, like we talked about, just aren't getting it done. And the defense has played well at times, but it seems very inconsistent and something that, that uh, Seattle could certainly exploit. So uh, I don't know, man. I think we might see Seattle back in the Super Bowl. All right. Who are they going to play in the NFC Championship game, though, Matt? <laughs> Uh, I don't know if it even matters. I think they, I think they can beat both of those teams on the other side. They, they've already proven it against San Francisco, um, and uh, I, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't think it matters. I think it's probably going to be Seattle and San Francisco playing there. The one seed has such an advantage. Uh, we've seen it time and time again where the one seed is the one that actually goes to the Super Bowl. But I think Seattle can hang with them pretty, pretty well. Ryan, what are your thoughts in the NFC? Uh, I'm I'm still going with the chalk, which I think is San Francisco right now. We talked at the beginning of the show about how this weekend's games were kind of a defensive battle. We saw the run game uh, control the game for a lot of uh, a lot of those uh, contests. It's the it's the offensive powerhouses who earn the buy. So I think the Chiefs and the Ravens uh, and maybe even your all's Packers are really going to show up on the offensive side, and and those are the teams I would. Uh, pick to win these games next weekend yeah I like the fact that the Packers had the bye week I think that is in their favor for sure struggling with Russell Wilson does not seem like something that's fun to do even at home I think Seattle goes into Green Bay and squeaks one out I'll take San Francisco on that side in the AFC Ryan I got the two chalk picks over there I'll take the Chiefs and the Ravens how about you yep I agree Chiefs and Ravens Matt yeah, that seems like an easy choice. Yeah, definitely. It seems that way. We can talk about who's going to the Super Bowl next week. I hope it's an entertaining weekend of games. These these are my two favorite weeks of football. It's kind of a struggle a little bit to to have these standalone games when they're not good. Luckily, they they we got four good games in the wild card round. Hopefully it's four more in the divisional round, followed by a nice run to the Super Bowl. So we're going to continue our divisional focus throughout the month. We'll, we'll talk about it throughout these playoffs next week. We'll have another division from each conference. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. <laughs>